brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. This is Front Row, and I'm your host, James Whiteside, principal dancer and choreographer with American Ballet Theater and the author of Center Center. Take a seat in the front row as I discuss the creative process and the business of creativity with the world's brightest stars. Misty Copeland is the first African-American female principal dancer with American Ballet Theater. She is a New York Times bestselling author, a Broadway star, a recurring judge on So You Think You Can Dance, and one of Time Magazine's 100 Most Influential People. She has endorsed brands such as LG Signature, Under Armour, Seiko, and many more. Misty is currently working on launching her own athletic wear company called Greatness Wins. Misty isn't just a world-renowned ballet dancer and entrepreneur. She is my colleague and my friend. I've had the great opportunity to work with her on a daily basis, so this interview feels more like a conversation between friends than a structured question and answer. I know you're going to love hearing Misty talk about her life as a star ballerina, an author, and a businesswoman. She is an inspiration to me and countless others who feel underrepresented or misunderstood in the world of classical ballet. We might even talk about her return to the stage after the birth of her son, Jackson. So have a seat and stick around. You're in the front row. Welcome to Front Row, Misty. I'm so happy to have you here. I am honored to be here, James. So... Okay, Misty and I have been colleagues for 10 years, so I think I'm going to do this interview slightly differently from previous interviews. You're still like an early interview in the overall world of front row, but I've been doing a more sort of structured interview, and I'd like to do this more of as a conversation because we're friends and colleagues. I can't believe it's been 10 years. That's wild. It's been 10 years. Can you believe it? I feel like I just joined ABT, and I'm like, (laughs) <laughs> you know, a scrappy, eager beaver. Well, you have that in you, and that's why you're successful. Well, you do too. And I'd like to talk about your various endeavors because you really have turned ba- a ballet career into so much more than a performance career. And I am so inspired, and I have been since I was a teenager, really, because I think. We did the summer programs together at American Ballet Theater in in the Roaring Twenties, basically. <laughs> yeah. um, however, I was in I was in a very low level, and of course, you were in a very high level. It was like me and uh, Blaine were in the same level. <laughs> Blaine Hoven is a an ABT soloist, <laughs> and uh, you know a lot of other really talented people were in our, were in our level too. The Delgado sisters were in our level. And I remember you and David Hallberg were in the high level and Simone Mesmer. These are all, you know, yeah. we've got ballet stars yes. all over the place. <laughs> um, so I, I do want to talk about books because I don't know if you know this, but I wrote a book too. Yes, you did. And I loved it. <laughs> Thank you. I, I appreciate that. I I want to talk about all the types of 
books that you've sort of got your hands in here, your memoir has been incredibly successful. It is a bestseller. And uh, how did you come up with the title Life in Motion? Oh, wow. Um, Well, first of all, I never, ever imagined I would be an author. Um, I wrote, I wrote in a journal from the time I can remember. Uh, It was, it was like a way of expressing myself even before dance was a part of my life. Um, I was just so introverted and and so quiet. Um, I'm I'm the fourth of six children and there's not a lot of room to have like a voice when you have such a crowd. (laughs) Um, So writing, writing and like music was my outlet, but I was approached, uh, to do the memoir by a young editor at Simon and Schuster. And, um, how did they reach out? So I had like, I had my website that was fairly new and you could like write into the fan mail. Uh, you could do email or you could send fan mail. And, um, what year is this? Gosh. Uh, 2000 and maybe 10 or 11. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, um, and it got, it was, I don't know how long, how long that email sat in the fan mail. Cause I never like checked it and randomly, yeah. I think my mom, she might've been monitoring it at the time. And she randomly <laughs> one day was like, there's this email from this girl at Simon and Schuster. I don't know if it's real or what it is. It's been in the inbox for a while. And I was like, oh, okay. So I had just started working with my manager with Gilda Squire and um, mm-hmm. we sent it off to her and Gilda previously before me worked in the book, book publishing world. Um, so she knew the world very well and she was like, oh, like this is legit. Let's, you know, reach out. And Megan Reed was the editor and she, um, she was like, I, you know, I've been a fan of yours for a long time. I'm a dancer and, um, and I think you should write a memoir. And I was like, what? I was like 28 or 29 at the time. And I was like, Mm. I don't really have that much to say. And she was like, yes, you do. And she really like pushed me, um, pushed me to start, you know, writing more, but the, the title came from, um, you know, visiting, revisiting my journals that I had saved for like all the, all the years of journals that like it sat in my library in my apartment. And I went back through them and I had a a co-writer, um, Sharice Jones. Uh um, And we went through all my journals and so much of my like young life, like up until I joined ABT, well, even once I joined ABT was this constant like motion. Yeah. Moved a lot as like a child, like that's like my whole adolescence was like moving, changing schools, living in different places. Um, and then dance became a part of my life. And that was like emotion and then traveling the world with American Ballet Theater. So it just made sense, life in motion. And now it's yeah. the name of my production company as well. Amazing. Oh my goodness. Okay. We'll get back to the production company. Um, I want to talk about the book a little bit more. Yeah. I want to know how, you know, your success with life in motion transferred over into other book deals and are those other book deals Simon and Schuster as well? I so I am going into I just finished writing my eighth book uh which is oh insane God. I know <laughs> it's crazy it's um, amazing they're not all with Simon and Schuster um I have some with Penguin and uh yeah, I need to like look but I think the majority are Simon and Schuster and Penguin my ch- children's books and let me see what is this this says Aladdin? 
Oh, I'm so bad. I'm terrible. <laughs> well, the empire, it's hard to know. <laughs> These things, it's terrible. It's terrible. It says Aladdin. Okay, well, that's a... that's that, a, This one's Black That's Valley. a thing. That's a thing. Yeah, that's the newest one, correct? That's the, the that one came out. Yeah, not too long ago. And tell me about black ba- ballerinas. So yeah, black ballerinas has really been like this culmination. I feel like of my career. Uh, you know, when I met uh, ballerina Raven Wilkinson, it really changed the like the way that I looked at my purpose as a black woman, uh, as a ballerina, and as a black dancer. Um, and it just made me feel like I have a responsibility in this position with this platform, with the voice and reach that I have, um, to tell the stories of so many black ballerinas who have impacted the dance world and the ballet world that people don't even know their names. People don't know their stories. And, um, just because they didn't have the success that maybe a lot of us as classical dancers, um, measure as success doesn't mean they didn't have an impact on the ballet world. So, um, you know, a lot of these dancers didn't even have professional careers, but they created schools in their communities and they taught black dancers who went on to have incredible careers and like kind of opened the door, uh, for, uh, you know, an art form that came to America in like the, you know, thirties, forties and fifties. Um, Mm. and, you know, it was a new art form for all Americans. And so for black Americans to be excluded, it's just, you know, yeah, it's, it's wild, but they were still a part of it. They were still dancing, um, in, in, you know, small schools. And so black ballerinas is really about, yeah, that journey of discovering the legacies of so many black dancers who I stand on the shoulders of and, um, have opened doors for future generations. So it's, it's mm. telling the, you know, small stories of all of these black dancers, but all of my books have something to do with dance positivity, uh, but also honesty in the journey, but but not to kind of rag on on what you know the difficulties of ballet necessarily, but um, to find like the beauty and positivity in this journey, even with yeah. obstacles and hardships. So okay, for for my book, I get emails and Instagram DMs and things where what it's kind? young people. Yeah. Well, oh my gosh, where are we going with this? I want to know. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, not that, but also, yes, I get that sometimes. No, I get uh, messages from young people. I mean, my book is really not for kids, but of course, kids find it anyway. And they email me and they say, you know, this really meant a lot to me. This, like, I... I was thinking about it differently and now I feel differently or just like these really beautiful stories. And I want to ask you, like, do you remember one instance of uh, a fan or a reader or a ballet lover telling you something that really touched you? You know, one story that sticks with me, and this was before I was even a professional. I mean, I had been in the public, I guess you could say, like probably from the time I started ballet. Mm. And I remember I must have been around 15 years old and I got like a handwritten letter um, from a young girl who had sickle cell. And it's it stuck with me to this day. And I remember her just saying like how how much it meant to her to see someone who looked like her um, doing something, you know, that most 
minorities or black people are, are told they can't do. And, and I don't think she was a dancer, but she connected with my journey and my story. And that like to this day, like has stuck with me. I wish I remembered her name. Well, that's amazing. Yeah. It's, it's incredible. The impact that you can have, uh, you know, through, through something so universal, like writing and, and books. And it's been even more incredible to have so many of my books, you know, translated into other languages. Mm. You know, it's, it's pretty incredible that we can reach people beyond the stage. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's really beautiful. Some of the most touching messages I get are from parents mm. and they, um, you know, they talk about their son who is, you know, they love to say creative, <laughs> their creative son and it's like they you know the code gay son or you know whatever really that's it's hard to tell so uh it's really really sweet and they're like you know we're just letting our kid be our kid and not trying to pressure them and you know thank you for being so open and it it just really it's it's so cool to think about yeah and just the way we grew up you and i it's different now and and it's it, it is getting better it's hard. It but is it's getting better. It is. I'd like to talk a little bit about television and like commercial stuff, like when you've judged on "So You Think You Can Dance" and all of that. When you work with pop stars, and you and I have had the the great fortune to work together on on some of those projects. And thank you for that, by the way. <laughs> Misty is always calling me up and say saying, "Hey, can you make a dance for me for this thing?" And I say. I say, oh, yes, I can. Thank you very much. So who represents you for things like that? Is it Gilda still, your manager? Yes. Uh, Gilda's incredible. And, you know, she, we kind of came into this together. She'd never worked. She'd never managed anyone before. She had mm-hmm. a PR firm um, when I met her. Uh, and it, it started out as like a relationship of her doing uh, press, you know, for me, getting me uh, press. But she she does she pretty much does everything. I, I mean, I am represented by CAA. So when it comes to like uh, television deals, when it comes to like movie deals, if there's any like, uh, you know, they want to turn any of my books into film or television, whatever it is, um, I, I'm represented through CAA, uh, but Gilda's involved in everything, like the decision-making, um, you know, what, what makes sense for, I hate using this word brand, but what makes sense for my brand <laughs> that it's like, you know, it, that it, it's consistent. And, um, and one thing I'm so proud of is that I, you know, I think that from the time I met Gilda and she asked me like, what it is, what is it you're trying to do and say, it was like, bring ballet to more people and diversify it. And that mission has not changed. And, and it's, uh, you know, a through line in everything that I do. So having an opportunity to do something like a, so you think you can dance, like it just made sense um, for people to hear from a classical dancer and hear real criticism and feedback, you know, to find that yeah. balance, of course, you know, you're not just yelling at people and trying to get ratings, but I was trying to give like real feedback. And it, it was a tough balance when you're, when you're on TV and they want you, you know, to say certain things or, you yeah. know, catchphrases. To be entertainment. To be entertainment. Um, and I remember in my first season that I did with them getting a lot of like hate hate tweets and stuff and on Instagram from people saying that I was like too hard on the dancers, Mm -hmm. which I thought was so crazy when you have, you have these people that are like screaming at, I don't know. And you have like, 
I don't know, you think of like dance moms and like <laughs> different, yeah. different judges. And uh, yeah, I think, I think it was just like a foreign, a foreign thing for them to see like technical terms being used and, you know, I don't know, things like that. Yeah. And then, you know, our whole lives have been taking criticism and turning it into improvement. Right. So uh, I don't think that's probably a normal thing for people. Whenever people get criticism in life who aren't uh, dancers or in the performing arts or whatever, uh, they take it really personally. And I totally. think, yeah, I think people with Twitter really love to hear themselves talk. So speaking of Twitter, <laughs> I'd like to talk about celebrity and how essentially being a household name has affected you and your personal life and how you cope. And, uh, you know, something I ask a lot of my guests is whether or not they speak to a therapist or if they have a psychologist that they work with. Is that something you do? I, um, yes, I have since I was like a teenager, um, on and off, but, um, yes, I do have someone that I, that I talk to and, you know, it's, it's been a while since I really felt I was in a place right before I was promoted to principal dancer. And in the first like two years, it was very, a very difficult, like adjustment. Um, right before I was promoted, I was still doing a lot of principal roles and it was just a lot of pressure. And so in those times I was really talking to someone to, to work through the anxieties and feeling the pressure and, and trying mm -hmm. to stay grounded and present in what I was doing and enjoy the process. Like it wasn't about reaching that, that rank necessarily for me personally. Like I understood that, like what it meant for my like race, <laughs> but for me personally, mm. it was like, I'm living my dream. I'm doing all the roles I ever imagined more than I imagined. And so it was like trying to enjoy that process. And there was just so much, so much noise, um, whether it was like articles being written, like, will Misty be promoted? Literally my, the season I was promoted, like every article, like every time I walked onto the stage, it was like, Oh, if she doesn't execute this step, will it happen for her? Will she be like, you know, it's just like something that's not normal for like a dancer to experience. Yes. But when it comes to, I don't know, like social media, I feel pretty removed. I'm not, I'm not so invested that it like hurts my feelings so much. Um, like, I guess I've, I don't know, we're, we didn't grow up with it. So I think I yeah. have a little more distance. Uh, whereas like, you know, if we would have come up as like young adolescents and tweens and teenagers with Instagram and Twitter, I, I don't know who I'd be and like how I'd feel about myself, but I feel like I've got a, a different perspective on things. Like, because it's something that came into our, you know, that evolved when we were like adults so, you know, when it comes to like addressing ridiculousness on Twitter and Instagram, I really use it as like a tool to have a, have like a, a real conversation. Like I don't address yeah. every ridiculous thing that people come and attack me about, but if it makes sense and it's something that I think is important to discuss, then I will, you know, make it a thing. Um, yeah. So it's I don't hard know, to I decide don't, though. I don't, I don't, don't you know. think? no. I, it feels, it feels easy for me because, um, like if there are conversations that I feel like we're afraid to have, like a, addressing mm. certain things, um, you know, when it comes to like race and body image and just yeah, yeah. certain things in, in ballet that we're, we're just like, oh, it's like taboo or, you know, we're afraid to, to, to go there. 
um, you know, if it comes up, then I'm like, oh, okay, let me run with this and like actually bring it up and like get people like thinking about things differently and talking about it. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Yeah, but how do you, um, I think as a, essentially a celebrity, I'm just going to keep calling you a celebrity because you are, how do you decide when to engage in politics mm. and when to know, like, to be the Queen of England and just step back <laughs> and be quiet? Yeah, I find it, I find it easy. You know, if it's something I'm passionate about, it makes sense and is connected to me, then I'll speak on it. If it's yes. not, then I'm like, I. I, first of all, like, I hate the word celebrity. <laughs> like, I hate that word. Like, I, I feel like, I don't know, I'm just like, a. am fortunate to do what I love. And, and I, and I feel like I have a good balance where I'm not, you know, it's not like I walk out my door and I, and I'm, there's like paparazzi or something. Like, I feel like I have a very good balance of like, um, of people respecting my space. Um, mm. But I, if I'm approached all the time to like lend my name or ask or give my opinion about things that I'm just like, no, like, yeah, I'm a human being and I'm living in in society and I have an opinion, but I don't think that every, just because you're a celebrity that you need to voice Mm -hmm. your opinion about everything, you know? Yes, but there's so much outside pressure. And I think no one decides who is a celebrity more than the public. Like the individual does not decide to be a celebrity. It's foisted upon you unwillingly, generally. And so when there are big social issues and you remain silent, I mean, look at someone like Taylor Swift, who has been badgered and badgered and badgered forever, and then finally feels comfortable enough in her own work and her own life to make really bold statements that could jeopardize uh, her career, which is clearly very important to her. So I think it's, it's just hard. It is. It's really hard. And I think it's, it's important to like, I say this all the time, but it's like important to have people around you who you trust and, um, and that understand what it is you're doing and your work and your heart. Um, It's so important. I think once you kind of get away from that, that's when things start to get out of control. And I'm so, you know, I, I keep a small, I've always kept a small circle of people like around me, especially like with my work things. And, um, so it's, it's important to me that it, that it doesn't get away, get away from me and from the intentions of like my work and purpose. The mission. Yeah, I get it. And I've always been so impressed by your ability to keep your private life separated from your career. Mm. And 
Uh, that seems like a really conscious decision. And I want to know how the hell you've managed to do that because that is no easy feat. You know, I, um, I feel like it, it's, I feel like it is easy, easy ish, you know, like even with, with, uh, my pregnancy, I wanted it to be something that I really enjoyed for me and my husband. And, and I feel like if you don't kind of put yourself out there, then like, like I said, like, I'm not some celebrity that I have like TMZ at my door, (laughs) but you know, like I, if I don't go to a big event looking big and pregnant, no one's going to know, you know, that's, or if I'm not posting things on, on social media, then who's, who's really going to know. Um, you know, I think it's funny. I did like an interview for, um, a new athletic wear that I'm, that I'm a founder in called greatness wins. And we did it for people magazine. And somehow this like big story came out that I had a secret baby from, from yes. doing the interview to promote the athletic wear line. <laughs> I, I was saw like, that. Yes. Secret baby. Like that's crazy. Yeah. Um, but you know, I just, I just, you know, now I feel like I'm comfortable and I can say like, I had my son Jackson and four months old, but it was just something I wanted to enjoy on my own. I feel like, I feel like people have more power than we give them credit for. I mean, of course, unless you're some like massive celebrity and you can't escape Hmm. the public, but. Yeah. So was that people magazine article about greatness wins the first mention of Jackson? Yes. I mean, and in a way, do you wish that you had presented Jackson in a, a different way? No. No, you don't care? I don't care. It's no. fine. There's there's no like, I, I didn't want to do some big reveal or anything like that. Yeah. It's fine that his name is mentioned and he's my son. And I'm not surprised they chose to run that headline though. Are you? It's so ridiculous. <laughs> I'm like, I'm doing the, you know, Derek Cheater, who's also a founder in the company. We came awesome. together for our first interview together to promote. And then that's the story they pull. <laughs> I'm like, really? <laughs> and what's funny is that the woman who interviewed us, she, it was like, I wasn't even there. I mean, it's Derek Cheater and he's like unbelievable. And he's so charismatic and all, you know. And so she was just like, I was like leftovers. She was like, oh yeah, you can answer that question too, Misty, that she like addressed to Derek. So I was like, where did this article come from? Oh, that's wild. That's uh, incredibly frustrating. And, you know, for me, I I feel a little bit differently because, I don't know, I've been so noisy in a way. Hmm. I've been so like, you know, look at me. I'm super gay. i like a drag queen. I make pop music. I've been doing this for so long now. Yeah. I'm like, oh, listen to my podcast. I wrote this crazy book with, with <laughs> all these insane things in it. Um, I almost feel, for me, I feel better when I have no secrets. Mm-hmm. When I have like nothing for people to discover or totally. exploit. Yeah. I'm like, okay, yes, I am I do all these things. I am a, you know a freak by society's measure and I'm really proud of it and it feels correct for me. And I think the more agency people have over their own stories and their own choices and their own desires, the the happier they'll be in a public space. That makes complete sense. And like having a sense of control over, I don't want to say the narrative, but your, your voice and your life. And that, that makes complete sense. I mean, 
I feel like I'm very, um, I'm very transparent when it comes to like, you know, my, my work and stuff, but I don't, I don't know. I just, I've never felt like people have never really like tried to find out stuff about my private life. Mm. So I don't know, but it makes complete sense though, like for what you're saying and, and for you and to be able to like, it's like, you're getting ahead of it. You're getting ahead of things so that people don't have something to like, say like that's nasty yeah, and, negative. and what what my life is is sort of societally fringe in a way like i i partake in gay culture like wholeheartedly and yeah. i have a great time with it and i don't want it to be used against me to be like part of gay culture yeah it makes sense uh, and i think a lot of people would do that and i i've been trying my whole career basically to just be like you know, just deal, deal with me being this. Okay. Your book is such a beautiful, like representation of that. And it's so unique (laughs) in the stories that you, like, it's, it's incredible. It really is. So, so proud. And all of the like young people that even if they shouldn't be reading it, they should be. (laughs) (laughs) I have a fun story here. Um, So I went to this uh, donor event for one of my friends, creative projects. I'm going to leave all the details out, but um there was a sort of mix of people and there were some older donors, people who have, who backed the project and who are also very much like fans of ABT and blah, blah, blah. And uh, this older gentleman sort of rushed up to me and he was like, I read your book. And I was like, wow, that's so cool. This like super old dude read my book. I love this. And then he goes, I liked it except for the pornography. (laughs) And I was like, wait, it's a memoir. <laughs> You're just calling my life pornography. pornography. You're calling my experience as pornography. And, you know, no shame to any of that. I just, uh, it just really cracked me up. I was like, okay, sure. Thank you. I don't know what to say. Um, I'm going to go get a glass of wine. Um, okay, enough about that. I do absolutely want to talk about Greatness Wins, your new athletic line. Can you tell me about how this project began? I want to know everything from product line to launch dates to what the mission is. Yeah. Okay. So um, Chris Riccobono, who founded the line Untucked. Are you familiar Untuck with Untucked? Yeah. 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 The shirts? like button down shirts yes. that are shorter. Yes. Yeah. So very successful. Um, he did very well with that um he approached Derek Jeter and Wayne Gretzky um who are also founders in this line um, and yeah and decided um to create an ethic wear uh brand you know something that is kind of moving away from what uh is you know there's there's the the market is flooded with athleisure and yes. um it's you know it's the new thing it's like how how transformative can your clothing be? You can go from laying on your couch to the studio to a cocktail and then dinner, you know? Mm. And I think, um, you know, the purpose of creating greatness wins was to kind of go back to the basics. I think similar to what, what Under Armour started out as where this Mm -hmm. is for the athlete, this is high quality gear workout wear, um, that's that's meant to be used um, in the studio on the field, um, 
in the gym. And so uh, greatness wins. You know, I think that there's so many ways that you can interpret what that is. And it's, mm. and it's you know, everyone has their own definition of, of you know, reaching reaching greatness or what greatness is. But I think that when everyone achieves that, you know, they feel like a winner and that can be translated to a mother raising her children or, uh, you know, a, a kid in um, little league baseball or a dancer in the studio. So it was actually Derek Jeter's idea to bring me on. Mm. I did something with a, through a platform that he helped to found maybe a couple of years ago uh, where they told my story in this beautiful animated way. Uh, so that's how we, uh, he was aware of my story. And he said, I can't think of another woman that I want to bring on other than Misty. Mm. I think it, she'll bring a different perspective and have a, a unique lens and interesting reach, I think, of audience. So I came on, I'm the only woman founder, and I will be heading the women's line, which will come out next year. So tell me how ballet aesthetic creeps into the the look. I think ballet aesthetic creeps into everything that I do. And I and I think that it's something that people don't realize they're missing. <laughs> yeah, I think that we <laughs> I sound like such a ballet snob. <laughs> I think I think that we all, you know, we all are so aware of like line and proportion. Yeah. Um, and uh, you know. You know, I think about like the use of like color blocking and things like that, that sometimes like as dancers, like there are certain things we won't do or wear because it's going to break our line or it's going to make us look shorter or whatever yeah. it is. And so all of that plays a role in how I think I I, I see the aesthetic for, for this. So um, it's pretty basic to start, though, you know, like classic things that people will want to have as um, as staples in their, in their, uh, wardrobe, you know, for their athletic wardrobe, um, leggings and, you know, beautiful bras and bras are so important for me because I've always had such a difficult time finding sports bras that work, that, um, are truly supportive, that have the like stretch and breathability, but, you know, we're going to add in little bits of, of fashion, whether it's a, you know, off the shoulder, sweater that can go yeah. over any of the bras and tanks. And, you know, I don't think it's necessarily about, I mean, how different can an athletic wear line be? It's like, we've seen it all. I think it's really like the uniqueness of the fabrics and the stories we're telling the people mm. who are behind it, that, that, that will set it apart from other um, athleisure athletic wear brands. And what sort of price points are you looking to, you know, do? Yeah. I mean, Right now, like, you know, I, one of the like big goals for me with Greatness Wins is to venture into girls and, and boys, um, mm -hmm. but for, for young people, um, I think that's such a big part of like my audience and like my fan base. Um, but so right now it's, it's for adults. So of course it's going to be a, a higher price point. I mean, I think you could mm -hmm. compare it to a Lululemon, yeah, that type of price point. Yeah. Okay, I'd like to talk about your return to the stage. Will there be a return to the stage? You know, I'm just going to sit here in my closet and retire. No, I'm not. <laughs> retire in my closet, meet a lady who lived in her shoes. No, I... Um, just yes. for the record, for the listeners here, um, Misty does a lot of her video interviews and calls and things from her closet. 
<laughs> and she has a, a really lovely walk-in closet and she has all of her beautiful high heels off her shoulder. <laughs> so I'm seeing beautiful like gold and fuchsia pumps. It's incredible. So yes, tell me about your return. So this is really crazy, but by the time I make my return to the stage, which I'm planning on being in December of 2023, I will have been off stage for four years. Isn't that so insane? That's a nutcracker return. That's then. a nutcracker. So California, baby. I love the nutcracker. Like I love our nutcracker, ABT's nutcracker, which is great. Me too. And created by Alexei Romanski. And I love the role of Clara in it, the adult Clara. I love the, I love it. The pot of the, the variations, it's so difficult, but I, I love it. So mm-hmm. I, I said I wanted to come back to the stage with something that um, I'm familiar with, um, with all this time off. It's just mm-hmm. wild to think about, like, I learned to do ballet in four years. Like literally I started when I was 13. I moved to New York and joined ABT when I was 17. And I'm wow. like, I hope that it did not go away in four years. <laughs> I'm like, no, how do I do this? <laughs> of course you never forget. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to, I'm trying to figure out what retirement looks like because I have a documentary, a second documentary that's, that's being done on me um, uh-huh. right now. And, you know, we really want, you know, the, the climax of the documentary to be my retirement from American ballet theater, like me leaving the stage in that, in that way, I think I'll continue to do, I'll continue to move and dance and do other things, but I won't be doing like a Swan Lake uh, or whatever else. It's really hard a sleeping beauty. Um, (laughs) So, but I don't know if this is going to be my final season, like maybe 23, 24 will be my final. Maybe not. I think I want to feel out what, um, what this new American Ballet Theater will look like with our new AD and our new ED. Mm-hmm. It's such a new company. They're so young. And I'm definitely one of the oldest uh, principal ballerinas there now. And I, I've always had in the back of my mind that like, I want to continue to give opportunities to up and coming dancers. Like, I don't want to be that dancer that sticks around and like does every single ballet and takes away up. You know what I mean? When I've done it all and I'm so, uh, you know, happy with my career. Yeah. So it's, it's a lot to think about, but I'll be coming back with a nutcracker and definitely dancing in, I think Romeo and Juliet and Giselle in the spring and possibly wonderful. And we'll see what Mm. else. Oh, I look forward to that. Maybe we'll find ourselves on stage together. Please. I was just (laughs) asking about who my prince will be for the Nutcracker. Mm. I don't know how you feel going back on stage after your injury with that, but Yeah. So listeners, I don't I mean, I've I've been injured since December and I uh, ruptured my patellar tendon on stage in the Nutcracker. So uh, you know, forgive me if I'm not super excited to go back on stage in the Nutcracker. But, you know, you got to conquer that trauma, conquer it, beat back those demons. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Misty, I am so grateful to you for doing this. Where can my listeners find you on the internet, Instagram, whatever? Yeah, um, uh, at Misty on Point, uh, that's P-O-I-N-T-E. Um, on Instagram and Twitter, greatnesswins.com. And then my foundation, mistycopelandfoundation.org. You can find more about the foundation that um, we'll be launching in September. 
Amazing. And I love you. you. Are, Thank you for having me. I love you too, Misty. You are just everything. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. All right. Thanks so much. I really appreciate it. And thanks for coming to the front row. Don't forget to subscribe and review this podcast. And if you like it, share it with your friends or on social media. You can follow me on all social platforms by searching James Whiteside. My book, Center Center, a funny, sexy, sad, almost memoir, is available everywhere in all formats. Front Row uses music from the song A-Flat by Black Violin. Check out the show notes on jamesbwhiteside.com for exclusive video and audio from this podcast. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com.